Ahead to Salmon. Can she double the tally? Why not? No stopping her right now. Welcome, welcome. Hey, y'all. We haven't been here in a while. Uh, it is I, Courtney, one of the co-hosts of Diaspora United. Welcome to this episode. I am joined here by my partner in crime, co-host in crime, really. Ooh, that's a good alliteration, co-host in crime, <laughs> Andre. Andre, how are you doing? Uh, crime. Uh, I like it. Uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm um, a little tired, but pushing through. And it's it's actually really fun because like this whole everybody kind of thought the like summer of soccer because there were so many international tournaments was like okay now it's over no it's not over it's not over it's never over. we're gonna we're gonna keep going these preseason tournaments and then we're gonna keep going and then it's gonna be the season and then of course NWSL is getting we're gonna talk about it all but it's just like hey, there ain't no break it don't stop <laughs> it don't stop <laughs> literally the only stop we actually have is uh holidays at the end of the year because NWSL yeah. will be finished and then all of the leagues in europe take a break on the men's and women's side actually so just like oh okay uh well it's august we have at least a four month push to the end uh, but <laughs> think i also am tired today i actually took a 12 minute nap i thought you were about to say 12 hour i was like that is not a nap <laughs> <laughs> no i i took a 12 minute nap i just went and <laughs> laid down on my bed and I said, I just need, well, first I was going to take a 30 minute nap. And then I like got on my phone and I was like, cool. I have about five minutes from when I'm supposed to wake up. And then I did fall asleep for those five minutes. And then my alarm went off and then I snoozed it once. <laughs> so I was like, well, this is just a very short nap. But I honestly woke up more refreshed than I thought it would be. Yeah, I was going to say a 12 minute nap would just make me mad. <laughs> I did it all the time, actually, when I was like deep into studies at the library and I would genuinely would could nap for like 12 and a half. I mean, I would joke with my friends. So it would be like a 12 and a half minute nap and you really just wake up quite refreshed. That's a straight up superpower. I cannot do that. <laughs> so, like, nah, if I go to, if I go to sleep, I need to be asleep for like minimum of an hour, hour and a half. If I wake up before that, especially like in 15 or 12 minutes, I'm going to be upset. Somebody's got to pay. <laughs> he said, I need a full sleep cycle. Right. <laughs> it's what I do, especially when you're in between meetings. You're like, I have 15 minutes. Let me just quickly close my eyes. <laughs> it's a dangerous game to play, but. <laughs> it does. It sounds very dangerous. <laughs> all right. Well, before we start today's episode where we're digging into truly all things NWSL, I missed the last few weeks because I needed a very well-needed vacation. I partially got bullied into it, but once I was on it, I was like, yeah, I really needed some time off. Uh, but yeah, we're going to dig into all things NWSL, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the current intercontinental, interleague cups, kind of. Basically, the Women's ICC, the Amos Cup that's happening, which to me kind of just feels like a... It doesn't feel as special because there's like a chance we could see these teams match up again like next season or something like that but then also the women's cup going on in louisville so but before we get started as always reading a review please don't forget to write a review specifically put a dad joke in them 
I love when Andre is forced to read dad jokes because he hates them. I love a dad joke. So really just leave us five stars and a good review. All right. Well, this review is by Mort Gordon titled Love This Podcast. Shout out to Mort. Shout out to Mort. And uh, this podcast is currently is truly filled with puns. So just see if you catch all of them. (laughs) So they start. I get a total kick out of this podcast. They really ball out on the analysis. Pardon my French, but you aren't getting your footy news from <laughs> if you aren't getting your footy news from Andre and Courtney. You're a total soccer. I'm not done. It goes harder than oh. any footy podcast out there. Truly, they are so fun to listen to. They shine a light on important issues and woe. So, in their analysis, is top notch and helps me understand the game on a deeper level. I highly endorse it. Oh, nailed the dismount. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Mort. This was truly a spectacular review. I think it actually might be my favorite review because shouting out the players, Liz Ball, A.D. French, Crystal Dunn. If you didn't catch the one, Pernilla Harder. Yeah, that one sweet. was a secret one. I said, well done. <laughs> uh, and then the dismount with friend of the pod, Amani Dorsey. Friend of the pod. Yeah, I, yeah, that's... Yeah, that's a very good review. That's that's the bar. That's the bar. If y'all gonna <laughs> drop them in there, drop it in there like that. Try try and beat Mort. <laughs> <That's> the, <laughs> hashtag beat Mort. <laughs> Got to, or you just have to do that one um, that we both laughed at when someone said why I was six. Why I was six afraid of seven? Said because seven, eight, nine, and Kat, Katarina Macari only got seven minutes at the Olympics. Oh, that one me. made us scream <laughs> in the best yeah, way. That was perfect. Yeah. Oh, still, I'll never get over that. Unforgivable. Let's move on. Oh, never. I'm going to think about that every day for the rest of my life. Yep. I think about it genuinely about once a month. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not joking. I think about that a lot. (laughs) It's just really frustrating. It's like something I just refuse, like my mind refuses to let me forget about it for any period of time. It's like, oh, so you know what? Remember when Cat only played seven minutes in the Olympics and the team was really struggling? Yeah, I do. I do remember that. Thanks. Thanks for bringing it up. Um, But yeah. Yeah, I'll never forget. It's also like, hey, remember how we haven't seen uh, Sam Yeo since? I think about that all the time. Many yeah. things from that Olympics I think about all the time. Okay. We're not going to get into it. We're not going to get into it. We're going to move on. <laughs> Let's move on. Yes, <laughs> We're moving on. Uh, we're digging into all things NWSL. We're going to go over some of the really big storylines that have been coming out of the last few weeks. But Andre, start us off because I know there's a particular player you want to shout about <laughs> y'all know who it is ebony salmon um yeah in terms of like what's been going on with the nwsl i think i honestly i think you have to separate it a little bit too because you have to look at houston separate from before they got ebony salmon i think they had been through three coaches you know started out with clarkson of course he had issues been gone from the team under investigation uh, they had a assistant step up, Sarah Loudon, and now they've hired uh, Amaros to come over, who's the coach, I think, Real Betis uh, over in Spain, and brought him over to coach the team. And um, they, if you look at the table, as of recording, they are second in the league. And that is wild. And one of the reasons they're second is because Ebony Salmon has decided, <laughs> well, not really decided, because she's always been like capable of doing this. It's just like, scoring a bunch of goals in really quick succession. I think she is, at the time of recording, she has played six games for them. She has scored six goals. 
Uh, I still just have no idea what Louisville was doing. She, proven goal scorers in this league are there aren't many. There there truly are not many. A lot of teams create a lot of chances. There aren't many clinical finishers in this league, and she was one, and they just let her go. It makes no sense, but it has worked for Houston. Nichelle Prince, Maria Sanchez, and Ebony Salmon is mean, and Houston has been looking quite good when they get to play their style. I don't know what happened in the game against Louisville, but that was a little bit of a weird one. I kind of want to see the coach do better there. Um, of course, he's new, so maybe he'll do some more, but yeah, Ebony Salmon revenge tour in full effect. Yeah, and the craziest bit about it is uh, Ebony Salmon, her first game with Houston was a, it was a super rude game. It, it was a surprisingly a 2-1 loss to Kansas City. Um, but since then, Houston have gone on a crazy run. They mm-hmm. <laughs> they have three wins one and two losses, actually. But with those wins, uh, and two of them, they scored four goals. Yeah. And to be honest, the reviewer mentioned it, A.D. French has been, and we'll talk about it a little later, but A.D. French has been in, like, God mode. And that Kansas City team has been very good. But Ebony Salmon had a lot of chances in that game. And if it wasn't for A.D. French, to be honest, if that was one of maybe her or maybe one or two other goalkeepers in the league, that would have been her. She would have scored a debut goal in that game. Oh, yes. I yeah. do remember that. She, it, yes. she was on <laughs> fire do. that game. You I do don't do know that. how she didn't score. It was just French. It was it. That was just French. I I very I remember very specifically that you tweeted. You know the Michael Jordan <laughs> meme? <laughs> them kids. I think you photoshopped like 80 French's face on it and said, fuck them kids. Yeah, it was it was fuck that narrative because we everybody was waiting to explode from an Ebony Salmon goal. They're so mad about Louisville just giving up on her and giving her away. And I was like, it'd be great if she scored on her debut. And AD French was just like, nah, (laughs) not on my watch. (laughs) Yeah, since and I mean, and it's crazy since Ebony Salmon joined, uh, Houston have played six games and picked up ten points. Yeah, that's that like that's a really good run. It's crazy. Uh, but yeah, Ebony Salmon has absolutely been balling. I mean, it's, and the thing is, it's like, it's what we all knew she was capable of. Like, it, we all knew she, they, like, she was capable of it. And to me, she's really the make or break for Houston. Um, and I know we're going to talk about Gotham later, but I have been rewatching some of Gotham's games, um, seeing if what I had sadly knew was probably still happening, if it was actually still happening. And it was. Um, <laughs> And I was watching that <laughs> that Houston Gotham game, and it was like crazy open, but you know, such a big part of it. And I feel like this happens a lot with NWSL games, but especially for teams that are in good form, I feel like it's pretty rare for like a team not to concede any chances. Um, you know, the other team not having shots on goal, things like that. It's like pretty rare unless that team they're facing is in like you know pretty bad form. But even with teams at the bottom of the table like they're still trying to score goals and stuff and um that for that Houston Gotham game like Gotham had probably too many chances uh but what makes Houston so strong um is that because they have a player like Ebony Salmon who we know at times can be very very clinical and as she continues progressing she's going to become a ridiculously clinical finisher and she takes her chances when she gets them 
Yeah, I it honestly, it's one of those things where I don't even I get frustrated about it because and the reason I get so frustrated about it is because I feel like we shouldn't even like we don't even need we shouldn't even need to tell Louisville like that's a good goal scorer. <laughs> like she scored, I'll say it again, over a third of their goals last season or contributed to over a third. I think she scored six, assisted one. Um, and like that's incredible. That's good output. That was her first season in the league coming from a completely different league, coming from the WSL um over in, in uh England and playing for a team that was not good at all, but you could see every time she played, the one player that jumped out was her. And she very young at the time, still very young. And she comes over here and it's a perfect fit. And when we heard she was coming over here, we were like, yo, this fit could be really good. I remember we we mentioned it like we were so hyped because of like as transitional as the NWSL is. She knows how to make those runs. She's very, very quick with or without the ball. And she has a good eye for goals. She has a good variety of shots. She knows how to place shots. She's a very good, capable, young goal scorer. And, you know, if you try to treat her as like a classic center forward, that's not really her game at this point in time. She's young. She can develop that part of her game. But she already proved that she can score a lot of goals in this league. And six games, six goals. Like, what else do you want to see from her? It just is so stupid. But I do like the, the situation she's in right now. It does seem like Houston is moving towards, you know, building the infrastructure that they need to have a successful team, a consistent team. And they definitely have pieces. Um, Rachel Daly leaving was interesting. I thought she might come back. And then I was like, how are they going to get all these players on the pitch? But it actually might be better for the team in the long run for them to move on and have an identity that's like a team identity as opposed to Rachel Daly wills the team to points, <laughs> which is kind of what mm. they've been relying on. Yeah, well, I I mean, it's a little bittersweet that Rachel Daly is leaving because I did want to yeah. see how it would be possible to get, like, would Houston Loki play, like, in a a really fun 4-4-2 of having right. it was Daly and Salmon <laughs> and Michelle Prince and Sanchez all trying to play together. Yeah. Um, but also with that, the really interesting thing – oh, I did want to shout out Ebony Salmon for now being – the youngest NWSL player to score mm. a hat trick. Yes, yes. Second in Houston club history. The first Olympic gold medalist, all around baller, Michelle Prince. Shout out to Michelle Prince. But mm-hmm. yeah, Houston have been in really, really good form. Um, and so I'm curious to see now that we are ha- really kind of down the stretch for most of these teams, um, if you know Houston can keep it going and really make a playoff push because we know at the end of last season. Or for a while, Houston was in the mix. And all they needed to do to get to the playoffs last season was win against the Spirit, and then that did not happen. And then I think the Spirit ended up winning that game. Yep. I believe. I think yep. they needed a tie. Did they need a tie? Yeah, they needed a tie. That, I remember that game vividly because I, I, was at, I was watching that game from the press box, and I remember being like, okay, um, Houston needs a tie, and they changed their formation. And that's when Trinity Rahman hit them over the top, got that ball over the top. And I was like, the one thing you couldn't do is give her space <laughs> for that run. And they yeah. gave her space for that run. And I, I think it was something like six minutes after they made that formation change, they she found the gap and got the, and got the goal. And I was just like, it was such a weird decision that I still remember, like, why did you do that? <laughs> yeah, and I think uh, at that time, Gotham's r- really random string of ties ended up like not even mattering. <laughs> Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but moving on to talk about, actually, before we talk about our teams, one thing that I want to talk about that I think we were both a little bit surprised about, and I'm connecting these two teams together, uh, are Owl Rain and San Diego. Mm. And what's surprising to me about Owl Rain, yes, I do recognize that I got a 4-1 win against Gotham, but also Gotham is in really bad form that we're going to talk about later. <laughs> but to me, I'm surprised that Owl Rain isn't dominating in the way that we really thought they would dominate, especially when during the Challenge Cup. And, like, yes, the Challenge Cup, but, I mean, I remember, I think it was what they, like, scored three goals in ten minutes on Angel City or something crazy like that. It was, like, one yeah. of those crazy games. And so also looking at their lineup and being like, oh, they have, you know, a great coach, and Laura Harvey is now the winningest coach in NWSL history. But I'm surprised that they're not dominating in the way that we were kind of hoping they would dominate the league, just given the talent they have. But also on the flip side, we're also in the past few weeks seeing San Diego stumble a little bit. Yeah, that's been very interesting. <laughs> very interesting. Um, which should we start with? Let's start with San Diego. Okay, let's start with San Diego. So the, the Wave, the good old Wave, <laughs> as Cordy calls them, the, the Wave. I, um, did not call, I told y'all not to call them the Wave, <laughs> and everyone just ignored me. Sure did, because once you did it, it was too good, and that's just what <laughs> happened. It was funny, so they're the Wave from now on um, for the rest of time, really. Uh, yeah, there's, there's their run, it's, and I'm guessing... All of this is built up, okay? So I'm going to kind of go through their results ever since, well, basically we can go, we can start with July. So they did beat the Spirit 2-1. That was a good game for them. Um, needed, uh, I think they got a, what, they got a late goal. Um, no, it was a it was a second half goal. The Spirit got, got the late goal to make it look like a bit more respectable scoreline, 2-1. Uh, but they looked pretty comfortable there. And then Angel City beat them. Held on for a 2-1 win. Then the Wave drew with Rossing Louisville. And then they beat the Red Stars 1-0, got a red card. <laughs> and then they lost to Kansas City. And then most recently, they lost to Orlando Pride 1-0. And that that is the one that stands out because Orlando Pride, yes, they've done some things to kind of turn it around. And we're going to talk about Allie Watt and that trade later. But um, that was an interesting one for me from San Diego's standpoint because I, like Casey Stoney and Kaylin Sheridan, were apparently extremely upset at the referee I think Kaylin Sheridan got a red card after the match for something she said. She did. And I just do not understand. I think we both are familiar with poor officiating in the NWSL. It is absolutely a thing. Uh, I have witnessed live and on television many, many, many poorly officiated games. I just straight up did not feel like that was one of them. I think the referee got a lot of the big calls right. Um, all of the big calls right. I think there there was a handball that needed to be called. It was. Um, I think there was a yellow for time wasting for for um, uh, McLeod for Orlando Pride, but that was the only one. There were twenty six fouls in the game, fifteen to eleven called, so a decent split. Fifty um, fifties, of course, can go one way or the other, but that balance of calls doesn't let you see that there was like one team in particular that was really favored. Yes. Orlando played physically. I do think the referee probably could. Exactly. I, and I do think the referee probably could have used the yellow card um, at some point in the game just to like calm it down. But also I don't think it got out of control. Nobody really went in too reckless um, with the tackles or anything like we have seen before. 
in many games. So I I have I still do not understand. Like I rewatched the game and I was trying to really see like what could they have been so frustrated about. And there were a couple times where the ref maybe um, played at advantage and the advantage didn't pan out and she didn't give the go back and give the spot. But that's like that's just a thing that happens. That's not like a game changing call. It's not like you got a phantom penalty out of nowhere or something like it just it it was weird to me. And it seemed like it was a lot of frustration, plus the way that Orlando played, plus the way the Wave not really having a response for it. And I think all of that must have culminated and made it feel like a worse experience than it was. Yeah. And it's actually actually interesting because we know that um, San Diego did trade away friend of the pod first or second friend of the pod, Tegan McGrady, yeah. uh, to the Portland Thorns. And I saw a few people online saying basically since they did that, something hasn't mm-hmm. really been right with the team. And I kind of agree with that because I do remember the bits that I did of the league that I did catch um, when I was abroad. I did watch the end of that that 1-0 win that they got over Chicago despite Abby Kemper getting a red card in like the 59th or 60th minute. Um, being like Chicago, how have you not scored? <laughs> um, which, to be fair, I think is a little bit of a thread with Chicago. Um, if Mal Pugh, well, I mean, to be fair, Mal Pugh was there, but if Mal Pugh isn't there, um, there's there's a little bit of like a shoot, someone shoot, like the game, the game we watched this past yeah. weekend. I tweeted, please shoot someone, but for the love <laughs> of everything that's good in soccer, someone please shoot. Um, but yeah, honestly, it's like. That reaction was pretty surprising to me. I feel like when there's really bad refereeing calls, like a lot of people on Woso Twitter would be like, yeah, that was actually like a really terrible call. And it from the outside um, of me just tapping in, tapping out, dealing with truly jet lag problems. <laughs> um, a lot of people were like, or at least, you know, a, a good amount of people I follow were like, actually, I actually don't think that was like the most egregious refereeing match we've seen which like to be fair when you compare it to the worst of course it's going to be better but like no one was like oh yeah all these big calls are missed or things like that um really speaking to what you say Andre but I do want to say for San Diego um I am curious of what's going to happen when they get truly the young protege the young god because she's 17 (laughs) um oh goodness yeah young god Jaden Reese Shaw who 17 somehow in a kind of sketchy way not sketchy on her part <laughs> sketchy like NWSL sketchy joined San Diego I think she scored with her second she scored on her debut with what like her first or second touch a la yeah. Trinity Rodman Challenge Cup 2021 um but I am curious what she'll bring when she's back and also if Casey Stoney will finally start Amir Ali like Mira Ali is a baller. We all know it. <laughs> she deserves to be in that star in 11. Yeah. I, I I think what's interesting for the wave as well. Oh, I'm sorry. For the Wabe. Um, <laughs> apologies. Apologies, everyone. Um, I do think that what's interesting to me is that, you know, they they started out really hot. You know, um, Alex Morgan was scoring a bunch of goals, including a bunch penalties. of penalties. And <laughs> it was just like, okay, the Wabe are rolling. And I, and I will, like, their style of play was very intriguing they were getting into the box often so a lot of those penalties were like legit penalties they are not getting into the box as much and they're being defended uh, quite well 
I think that link up between Korniak and Morgan, we haven't really seen that come back after they both came back from U.S. Women's National Team duty. So I'm, I, I, it, it's clearly not going to be completely missing. It wasn't a fluke earlier in the season, but I do think that they need to find some other way. And I think that with Amira Ali, I think they have really a real good shot. Um, she is extremely difficult to take off the ball. I don't think you can do it without fouling her, which is also an unfortunate thing because she does absorb a lot of contact. Um, and that does not help in terms of, you know, trying to stay healthy as well. So I hope that referees are able to call and protect her a bit, um, given her style of play, but she is exceptional. Every time she plays, she does something that they don't have, nobody else on that squad can do. Um, and it is really, really impressive to see, especially such a young talent have that kind of impact. So, yeah, um, yeah, (laughs) there you go. And then, of course, you know, Jane Shaw coming back. I mean, I don't know um, how many games she'll have. I know they wanted to get her some game time experience right before she left. So started her like right after she signed. That was wild. And then she scores. So she is a very intriguing player as well. So like they they will have pieces and I don't expect this to last. But like for me, just just like. I don't even want to go into like mentality stuff or character stuff or whatever. I just want to say like, sometimes y'all just go ball. (laughs) Like just like, sometimes you just got to go and win a game and they should have the leaders on the pitch to be able to do that. And Casey Stoney is a good leader as well. I think at some point they just got to be like, all right, like whatever beef y'all have with the referees, the referee hasn't given or taken away any goals. So go score something like go score and win a game. You can do that. You also have players that can be physical right back to Orlando. So don't let them come out there and bully you. Like, go go at them. So I, I don't know. It, it was a weird response by them. And now they're going to have to have Carly Telford in goal, who has actually been very good for them, but going up against Houston and Ebony Salmon. So we'll see. Yeah. I um, also want to give a shout out to what definitely one of the candidates for Rookie of the Year, Naomi Gurma, who yes. <laughs> she just got put in that back line and was like, oh, <laughs> one of my years. favorite one of my favorite <laughs> memes of all time which is not to be disrespectful to truly any end of any nwsl players uh but that meme of reese witherspoon as legally blonde going what like it's hard <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> that's naomi germa's just stepping in and just truly playing so well um which i don't think we were like we knew her talent but i mean the nwsl is also like a different kind of league like um yeah. when post like after Gotham's game this past weekend one thing that Ellie Jean mentioned on the post compressor was like she was kind of talking about the difference between playing for that like playing in the NWSL and playing abroad um and I know we're going to also talk about some tactical differences of that later but one thing she did say besides kind of repeating all the things I hear about the NWSL being more physical athletic blah 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 Europe being more tactical which is like we're going to dig into that but one thing she did say but she was like, it is, and I mean, she was laughing about it, but she said it's scary having players like Midge Purse, Paige Monahan, Taylor Smith, Ifiana Manu, like, running at you. <laughs> and so yeah. the fact that Naomi Gurma really did make that leap and probably did, like, two somersaults and then, like, landed a perfect 10 to just right into that starting 11. And to me, has I have not seen her make a major, like, a, a mistake leading to a goal this season or any, you know, huge defensive mistake and that is really credit to how great she is as a player yeah i will say there was one <laughs> what was it 
I believe it was CC Kaiser. Did she get beat? Yeah, it was a 1v1. But it was okay. I think it was a, it was like a slight stumble, but I ain't gonna I ain't gonna Ashlyn Harris the situation <laughs> talk about I'm, a pitch or whatever. I ain't I ain't gonna do that. I ain't gonna do that. Um, yeah, but that was but honestly, the only reason I think it stands up it stands out is because she's been so good. Like yeah, but she also, has been excellent back there, and and that will happen sometimes if you get caught in space um, uh, as a defender. Some you can't. It's hard to defend in this league one v one. She does it exceptionally. If you get beat like that every time, you're not going to make it in this league. So as long as she keeps those to rare occurrences, which this absolutely was, hasn't happened this season. So, um, yeah, but but yeah, that that one was like, oh, no, not Naomi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and to be fair, like that ha- still happens with world class defenders. Oh, yeah. Like, all yeah, of uh, yeah like, it's, it's absolutely you, you not like a red flag or anything like that. Yeah. If you get beat a lot in the NWSL, you can't be in the NWSL. Yeah. So like, I, I ain't going to say any names, but. There was a clip that went around uh, again out of nowhere from last year. Oh yeah, and, um, fully out of nowhere. <laughs> that yeah, absolutely. I don't know what happened. That was so wild, and I was like, I remember that got a lot of hits when I posted it, but it had like four some forty five thousand retweet. It was ridiculous the numbers on that tweet. But uh, uh, that defender ain't in the league no more. I'm just um, Kylian Mbappe and I think. <laughs> Uh, yeah. LeBron James both tweeted about that video. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, but there are also like other, I don't know, I don't want to shit on other defenders. Well, actually, this one's yeah. not in the league, but like, I don't know, I think a little bit about Amy Turner last season, and it was like, oh no. I mean, she now goes, now it's, I think, playing for Tottenham, but yeah. yeah. My point still stands, though, because yes, also, absolutely. if you get beat, to me, that's not a mistake. Like, you just, like, you just get beat. Occasionally yeah. that happens. We saw that happen to my literally my fave on the national team. Yeah. Like one of my faves. Like I can't believe she did that to Becky. Pain. <laughs> it still pains me. Um but also hooting and hollering. <laughs> right. She was like light work and I was like, don't do that to Becky. <laughs> you don't deserve that. <laughs> All right. Well, um, do you want to quickly talk about O Rain? Yeah, I mean the, the biggest thing I have to say about them is the thing all season I mean they have a ridiculous amount of talent on that team, attacking-wise as well. I mean, that's where a lot of it is. Obviously, we know about world-class defender Alana Cook. We know she's been very good. We know Huerta is very good with her crossing and her defending on that flank, on the mm-hmm. right flank. So, like, yeah, I, th- I think Sam Hyatt's also been an exceptional defender for them as well. So, like, that's they have a very good line. team. Yeah, yeah, that entire back line is quite good. And then, of course, they have a foundation with it, with Quinn. They also have, you know, um, Fishlock, Lavelle. Then, of course, you get into, like, all the, like, direct attacking players. Just just outrageous. But the, but the problem has been actually scoring goals. <laughs> so the homies at uh, American Soccer Analysis have a, a neat little table that you can kind of filter through. And uh, this season, you see that they're, they're expected goals for. So basically the total in all their regular season games of the their the expected goals so the positions they get in the shoot how likely it is to be a goal and all that i know people can feel one way or another about expected goals but i do think given a bigger big enough sample size it is important to look at because it does measure like the kind of spaces you're getting into and the kind of opportunities you are creating for your team um their expected goals number right now is 26.62 they've only scored 19 goals that's 26.62, by the way, is second highest in the league. Portland has the first at 27.15. 
they've scored 34 goals. <laughs> so overperforming in XG is probably like something a good team does. Underperforming by like seven goals is wild to me. Like that is not good. And I know they've tried to address that with Heidema bringing her in, and I do hope they're able to get her going. But to me, it's all about that. If O.L. Rain was getting the goals to even match their the chances they create, they would be in a much higher position. But you look at the table and you're like, wow, really? Are they? I think they're, what, sixth at the moment? Sixth or fifth? And you're like, wait a second. <laughs> I thought y'all were a surefire lock for the playoffs. And uh, yeah, they're fifth right now. And it's and honestly, Chicago's in sixth, but Chicago has a game in hand, so they could leapfrog them into that last spot. So like, yeah, they need to start finishing their chances, and that's kind of been the story all season. So if they do that, they'll be fine. If they don't, we'll see. Uh, Andre, you want to know a, a kind of crazy stat that I'm seeing? So to be fair, I'm looking at a different stat site. I'm looking at okay. Opta, which a lot of people know. Opta uh, Joe, yes, Opta yes. Jane. All the um, all the optas of the world, um, <laughs> and so I am looking at the league table and have it ranking through expected goals. Mm. <laughs> Most teams in the league have less goals than their actual expected goal number, with the exception of actually, at least from the way Opta calculated, with the exception of two teams, and this is, and with like a really big jump. The first is Portland, as you mentioned. Um, they've scored thirty six goals. Through Opta, their expect their XG is 28.97 over the entire season. But, Andre, do you want to know the other team that has a bigger gap for expected goals? Who? They're technically there, too. But, like, one of them is, like, really surprising. <laughs> so I'll tell you the, the one that's a little bit less surprising. Uh, one is North Carolina. They scored 23 mm. goals, but their expected goals is 17.83. I can see that, yeah. Which... He's very surprising, but we also know their their goal differential though is like negative three. <laughs> so we're gonna talk about them later about scoring a lot of goals, but also conceding a lot of goals. But the other team that and this is a team that has the biggest gap between the way Opta calculated expected goals and the actual goals they scored. Do you can you guess what team it is? I cannot, only because you said it's gonna surprise me, and I can't pick a team that I think is gonna surprise me <laughs> um the most. So uh go for it. It's Houston. Houston's expected goals are six, through Opta sixteen point nine five. They've scored twenty six goals. I think a lot of that too is Ebony Salmon. <laughs> like I, I, mean, I really do think that is because she doesn't get like clear cut like tap in like big number chances. She just creates very good scoring opportunities, and she's a very good finisher. So I think the combination of those two things probably helps boost it a bit. I. I Actually, man, I really wish I could get into the numbers and figure out what they were before and after Ebony Salmon, because that would be very interesting to see. Yeah, that would be very interesting to see. But yeah, I was just looking at this because I was like, oh, wait, y'all know I love di- I love digging deep into the stats. It's like it's truly my bread and butter half the time. But I was just like, oh, yeah, let me just like uh, let me see some things like I'm curious about this. And then I was like, <laughs> Houston, 26 goals, 16.95 expected goals. Which is really, really crazy. Um, but yeah, that stat about Oil Rain, it is. And like, to be fair, they played Gotham. So if they played like another team in one, they probably would have scored maybe two, not four goals. Um, so that like that last game definitely boosted that number. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, before then, out of the um, the top of the table, really, it was 
really surprising their goal numbers. Let's move on to quickly touch on Angel City and Orlando, because to me, both of those teams are on the upswing. Orlando, I mean, as we mentioned, uh, ground, grinded, grinded, let's say grinded, <laughs> grinded out of one, <laughs> no win um, against San Diego. But Angel City has been on the up and up slowly. I mean, they're currently sitting seventh in the table, only two points. Got a crucial 1-0 win over Chicago to, you know, really tighten that gap to those playoff spots. So I feel like the, despite all that Angel City is truly going through in terms of injuries, I mean, you're not going to, like, I, no one can fathom the amount of injuries that Angel City is um, sustained this season. I mean, they're still, like, right around that playoff, you know, right on that bubble um, and have a three-point lead over Orlando currently. So I feel like they're kind of on the up and up, even though the one thing still frustrated about uh, that we definitely saw when Angel City played Tigris a few days ago was like a they really do have a deep roster but also like right up why aren't you rotating more like why aren't we seeing more players off the bench like stephanie uh ferrer van ginkle yeah svg bro baller and i was like why (laughs) why don't we see so much more of her in the nwsl when it is very clear that you need to win games like everyone needs to win games and it's like why aren't we seeing more of her yeah, you know, you you said that uh, you know about Angel City's injury situation being like unprecedented. Like, who could you know like envision that? And uh, Chicago can. <laughs> Chicago's got another really serious injury problem uh, going on over there. So, so like, we got a couple teams that are really kind of struggling. And actually, it'll be very interesting to see like how those two teams go the rest of the season. Um, and hopefully, there are no more injuries. I know that there is. There was video of Sydney Larue after the game. Apparently in a boot and on crutches. They said she was I out with an illness. About it. I that don't yeah. sound like illness to me. Yeah, I'm hoping that was super precautionary and that she's okay. They just didn't want her to put any weight on it while it heals. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but that kind of scares me. But I also know like you can't just straight up be lying on the availability report. So we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, uh, man, that. Whew. Right with you. I do not understand why Freya wants her team to suffer. I don't get it. It doesn't make any... Every game goes the exact same way. They put in a whole lot of effort. They either, you know, are close or have a lead. It's like a narrow lead, one goal or something. Or, you know, it's 1-1 or whatever. And then, like, they get to that 60th, 65th, 70th minute. And it's just like everybody is gasping for air, dragging their legs, they're always like suffering through the end of a match as the other team has a lot of possession and there's like no release valve at all. Nothing. There is no help on the counter. There's nothing. And I'm like, Freya, you cannot have your team do this, especially. And if you're going to do it, make substitutions so that the team can remain some level of balanced. It is mm-hmm. so wild and frustrating to watch this team do that every single time. And like you mentioned, you have attacking talent, like take advantage of the spaces. If a team's going to come out and attack you, take advantage of being able to win the ball and then go the other direction, maybe get a second goal. So you don't have to suffer as much, you know, like, like do something so that you can alleviate some of the pressure. But instead, like the second half, like this, the last, almost like the last 20 minutes to half hour of every single Angel City game is almost played like 80 to 90% in their own defensive half. And that just is a bad sign in the NWSL that is not a recipe for success so I hope that 
Well, I can't even say I hope because at this point, I see patterns. I hope the pattern is broken. I can say that. Well, and the weird bit about that, too, it's like, okay, yes, you have made friend of the pod, Jasmine Spencer, an outside back. And she's great at outside back. But you know what she's also great at? Being a forward. <laughs> like, yep. she, it's not like she's not great at that, too. Like, And, yes, I understand. I was actually looking at Angel City's injury report um, compared to Chicago's. And Chicago has had a lot of injuries, but, all, well, I, they have a lot of players out. I don't want to say, like, a player pregnant is an injury because they're not. They just had a baby um, or are in the process of having babies. But, like, compar- truly comparatively, like, Chicago has – at least four, maybe five, because they say Kayla Sharples may or may not come back. I'm not super confident about that because it very much looked like she tore her ACL. Yeah, um, but actually, I think they did report that she tore her ACL, so I think she's she's not coming back. Yeah, so I don't know why she they didn't put her on the season-ending injury list. I don't know. But, you know, that's comparatively, Chicago has at least six players. What, five. I can do maths. Five players. <laughs> um, but with Angel City, it's like, okay – you okay Gilles is out but you have other center backs as well and I know that at least very early on they were thinking or there were rumors that they were going to play three at the back yeah like why don't you try it like it it can't get worse from here like at one point I mean even though it's kind of (laughs) hilariously very Gotham-esque to play or last season Gotham-esque to play the last like 30 minutes just on a knife's edge in your own half, just seeing if someone will get like an equalizer or a winner or something, um, which kind of makes me giggle. But it's like you still have great attacking players. Like I bet, even though I don't necessarily subscribe to Tyler Lucy as an outside back, I do think, for example, Tyler Lucy could make a great wing back. Um, and you know, with I mean, I'm not going to go into why I think either three four three or three five two is a beautiful formation. But I'm just saying that there are like other options. That can be tried. And even if you want to stick with a 4-3-3 in the formation you're playing right now, there's still other great players on the bench that we saw against Tigres. And it's like, why can't we continue seeing that in the NWSL? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's gonna it's just gonna be a weird one. I know that Freya has kind of a history of of um not really using subs all that well, but it's just wild to me the way that she wants a team to play and defend. Um they're exciting to watch from the first minute until like you know, that 50th or 60th minute when they can, you know, put all the energy into total team, you know, movement and a lot of high pressure, a lot of, lot of intense pressure all over the pitch. But that is just tough, tough to do. I mean, I hate making like the Broso comparisons and all of that business. And I don't necessarily think it's exactly like this, but it does give me like a hint of remember when like Jurgen Klopp went to Liverpool for the first time and he had to learn, like, you can't do that pressing style that you did in Germany all the time in the Premier League. You your players are going to get worn down. And it seems to be a similar lesson. It's not exactly the same in execution, but it's a similar lesson I think that Angel City is having and I just hope that there is able to be some relief because honestly, like as much as I get frustrated at the end of their games, I also feel like bad for them cuz you can see the exhaustion. Like Jude Endos, she has so much energy, but even she's like gasping. Her legs are heavy and you can see you're like if you're going to demand that kind of like full on intensity from the first minute of the play of, with your players and that full like pitch um, attack in both offense and defense, you got to make subs in the second half. You just got to, or you got to have some way 
to kind of fall back and not do that. It is so hard to win games like that in the NWSL. You just can't out-effort every single team because they're too good. Andre, it's time. We have to talk about the bottom of the table, the bottom three, North Carolina, Gotham, Washington Spirit. Things were not great (laughs) for any of these teams. Uh, I think everyone, or not everyone, most people are surprised that North Carolina's still technically at the bottom of the table with 10 points. They do have more games in hand um, than, well, they have one more game in hand than Gotham. The two of them have so many games in hand it doesn't make any sense um but i think a lot of people were really wowed by north carolina's first few games in the challenge cup i can't lie i was a little less wowed i was like there are things really working the offense defense a little questionable like i remember our podcast reaction of the challenge cup final and i remember you being like north carolina was tearing up the spirit and i was like they were but the spirit were also slicing through North Carolina's midfield and defense. Yeah. They just like it could not finish. So um I don't know. I think a lot of like as a collective, a lot of us are very surprised at where these three these three teams are. Washington Spirit, you're literally reigning NWSL champions. I have to put together a huge run to get back to the play like even just like number six playoff spot. Honestly all three of these teams have to put together really, really huge runs if they're hoping to get to that playoff spot. But Andre, as a resident spirit reporter, I have my theories about why these three teams are actually at the bottom of the table. But as a resident spirit reporter, tell us what's going on with the spirit. Yeah, so I'll touch on my view on the on all three um, off the top. And if you look at who might be able to make a run and who can't, I think it's definitely not the spirit. They don't have the games remaining to do it. Um, it would be wild if they did. And I think it would be multiple teams would have to tumble down the table and they would have to win basically every game from here on out. Um, I think they have room for maybe like a draw, but they really need to get as many points as possible three every game. And I just don't see it happening in terms of what's going on for them. You know, I I'm going to have to do some really like some deep reflection, some writing. Um, I want to put together like a, a piece after the season to kind of talk about how this season went, because there are a number of factors. I think, you know, we talked about the hell schedule that they should not have had to play or endure in the beginning of the season. So it bad. was just so, so much. It was way too much. They did good to get a lot of draws out of it. But you, I and I said it then, You this is not a league you can make points up on. Like you don't have a Birmingham City. You don't have a Bristol you don't have those teams that you can just like expect three points from. Every game is going to be tough. And, you know, last season they were able to put it together and they did a lot of good problem solving on the pitch um, in games to be able to win games, not just draw them, but win games in advance. Think about every game they won to make to get into the playoffs. We just earlier we talked about that Houston game um, that was them solving a problem, recognizing a deficiency and exploiting it immediately. You look at how they beat O.L. Reign. You know, it was a crazy goal by Ashley Sanchez, but it was important. Even look at the championship game. You know, in extra time, Trinidad Rahman, deep cross to Kelly O'Hara. So you think, like, they found things and they found ways, and they're not doing that this season. They, along with North Carolina, are, I don't know what's happening, but when they score a goal, something happens and they automatically concede one minute later. 
And that is so not the spirit that was last season, towards the second half of last season, after Richie Burke was out and Chris Ward took over. And to be honest, I think it's, and I, I kind of talked to Chris about this before the season and during like the early parts of the season in the Challenge Cup is I was like, you know, last season, the team had a lot of external factors that really galvanized them. They, obviously the coaching situation, you know, having Richie Burke fired. And then of course you have the the uh, ownership battle that was just nasty and in public racist in so many ways and gross. And they put out that statement as a team, you know, completely against who was the then man owners of the team, you know, put it out, told them that they want Michelle. Then all of a sudden you get reports where they got exclusive negotiations with somebody who was not Michelle and so, like, the whole thing was Todd bad. Foley. Yeah. That's the man owns <laughs> yeah. Chelsea, Chelsea now, what? Chelsea manager. Uh, Chelsea owner now. But, um, and, and then, of course, the COVID forfeits. That was another thing. Like, I, at the time, I didn't realize how big those were. But the team talks about those almost with the same level of, like, gravity as, like, the ownership struggle and everything because they were so annoyed. They felt like they had been playing so well and they wanted to go and show, like, we can beat Rain, we can beat the Portland Thorns were the two teams that were the forfeits. And honestly, if they'd have played those games, I don't know how they would have gone. Like, Rain and the Thorns are two very good teams. I have no idea. So maybe that slows their role a little bit. But once those games were forfeited, they were so upset about that. And so that drove them. And so the question was, like, do they have, like, through that process, did they develop an identity of being able to problem solve and not being able to, like, be very defensively resolute? It seemed like they did. They did not. <laughs> and that to me is the most interesting thing is like, wow, I thought y'all were on to something and to find out that that is not at all what happened. So I think they really need to find to, to reinsert that somehow. And they're going to have to develop it the long way, I suppose, or the, or the, the more normal way as opposed to going through so much external um, struggle. And I, they haven't been able to figure that out all season and seems like maybe even a similar thing in North Carolina. Andre, you stole my theory that we talked about <laughs> pre-pro. No, yeah, this was my this was my theory actually about all three of these teams because when I think of all the shit that happened last season, like yes, there are other teams in the league like very much including Portland in this uh in this group. We do know that some stuff happened with Racing Louisville, also OL Rain. Um, but I feel like if I'm going to really categorize it cuz I think Oh, Reigns was a bit different besides the fact that we we're all like, we knew this would happen. Uh, like we told you that like you're going to fire free Ben Steedy. Um, and he, and yep. there are some terrible teams that are going to come out in the yep. aftermath. And we're going to be like, we told you so. But I, I really feel like that happened. Like that happened for relatively early on in the season. Like, I don't, I think, Oh, rain hadn't like they'd played less than what I'm going to say. It's seven. They probably played seven or eight games. Um, and then with racing Louisville, to be fair, we've now learned inklings of what happened, but we still like, th there wasn't a huge, let's say like bombshell report about stuff going on with the team. But I feel like for, and obviously the thorns were wrapped up in this too, with all the reporting coming out of the athletic and Paul Riley put him under jail, um, you know, getting yes. fired. And so that really touched Portland and North Carolina. And then with the spirit, obviously everything that you mentioned with the ownership battle, um, I also want to just take a moment for all of us to reflect on how Michelle Kang got ownership of the spirit. That like last thing of like, 
uh, <laughs> tell Baldwin it was me when she like <laughs> ended up buying everyone out and it was just like truly a slam dunk move. Um, yeah. But also Gotham lost or didn't lose, but Gotham's head coach left um, for, like Frey Coombe in a kind of weirdish way. And then um, we know that Elisa Hugh was first put on administrative leave and later fired. And so it was like all these teams really had controversy and for the thorns to be fair they kind of just like continued on in their domination thornsy way but for the spirit gotham and north carolina i really think all of the external factors for those three teams really just like push the teams together and i know that steph young talked about this um in the latest met full time with meg linehan podcast episode um but it really was all that trauma bonding that these players had been doing that kind of kept them together during the season and kept them together as a unit. Now those external forces aren't there or like maybe uh, obviously they're still like players are definitely going to be thinking about last season for a very long time, but it's not like it's fresh on their mind. Oh guys, there's something really terrible happening currently in our club. We need to pull it together and like come together as a team. Um, And I know for Gotham and I mean, there is a laundry list of things not going great with Gotham right now. But to me, the most almost concerning thing about it and the way Gotham is playing is that they just like, no one is on the same page. Like truly not a single person. Like I really think that lack of togetherness specifically for Gotham to me is like deeply concerning. And I'm hoping that now that Gotham fired Scott Parkinson and brought in Hugh Menzies, that he will be able to get the group at least doing the bare minimum correctly like a like wanting not saying they don't want to pass the ball to each other but like having smart passes like stop making like really silly mistakes that either lead to goals or huge turnovers and chances um but also even just like kind of simple things of moving together as a unit like to me it's it's not just that Gotham obviously um have the worst goal differential in the league like haven't been scoring goals even though to be fair they've had a good amount of chances um when i look at this stat book of chance creation they actually only have five less chance created than north carolina but the really big difference is that goal different like the north carolina scored 23 goals gotham has scored 10 i have a lot of thoughts about things gotham needs to change but like to me the most important thing is the fact that last season from an outward standpoint of just looking at player social media, things like that, the players felt so together. And the fact that now it's like, at times your back four isn't even moving as a unit. It's just like, it's it's honestly a really big cause for concern, but I also have a lot of confidence in humanities. I think them picking up, picking him up as a coach is really, really smart, especially knowing what he's done with Jamaica. But even despite that, to me, having a national team coach come in or is really, really smart because national team coaches know that they have a really finite amount of time to work together or like work with their team and have to quickly imbue ideas and like fix big mistakes. So I'm hoping that he just like settles, like really settles everything that's going on in the team, but also, and I feel like this has just really been plaguing Gotham of like giving them game plans. Cause I feel like right now so much of Scott Parkinson's philosophy, which I think is really great in theory, but not, always great in practice is like really letting the players decide you know potentially how they want to play or making like so many on the ball decisions and I feel like because the players at time are thinking of like seven different things at once because you can kind of see it sometimes where the players it's like 
you know, you could make a one, like a take a touch, make a pass or, or do something like that. Other players will like kind of stand and then it's, it's like never good. Unfortunately, a lot of Gotham's problems are really coming from them not playing really together as a team. And because of that, it's also hampering a lot of performances across the board, truly. Because to me, no one is like playing like spectacularly. Yeah, I uh, I agree with all that. I think they, um, they've got a lot to fix. And I do hope that Hugh is able to do it. I think it's a very good point that they that he is a national was a former national team player because I do think and it was interesting to me that they gave him an interim appointment and saying like we're gonna do like a real coaching search later so that means they are expecting some level of change in style approach play results um, this the rest of this season so I will be very interested to see it sounds like he's going to have the ability to go through and change things as he needs. Um, and I hope he's able to because this team is too talented um, to be that. Like you said, scored 10 goals, 10, yeah. 10. You have that attack and 10 is all you got at this point in the season. That's awful. And like, to be fair, there was no Midge. There was no Efi. Mm-hmm. Taylor Smith. I do want to give a shout out to Taylor Smith coming in with red hot form. My God, the fact that North Carolina just let her go. Like what a, what a silly sporting decision. She has come in and yeah. been so good despite all the <laughs> and the I wild will, thing is she was good for them too <laughs> i know i will say i do want to rephrase the statement not taylor smith has been playing great for gotham yeah she has still been playing great for gotham um but i actually so to me right now gotham is in a really big system failure i actually don't think that gotham actually has like a lot of big things to change because a and to be fair i will say ali krieger has not been with the team to me ali krieger has actually been the Gotham's maybe now that Taylor Smith has come in and changed my mind a little bit but Allie Krieger has been having a really really good season despite all of Gotham's like all that Gotham is going through I do think Allie Krieger has been playing really really well especially now that Gina Lewandowski is tired uh tired retired um but for me Gotham it's like it's funny because it's like to me Gotham once they fix the little things all of the like doom and gloom to me will really go away because you're not going to have you're not going to be conceding those really really silly goals that Gotham is currently conceding or like not pressing the ball together all those things like to me obviously mistakes still do happen but they won't hopefully they will happen less but also I think when it it is that you make a mistake but you know you have your teammates behind you to either like clean up your mistake or you're right there trying to win the ball back and you know do all the stuff that we really saw Gotham do last season. I think once you fix that, which I personally, and maybe I'm just out of my mind, but I don't actually think that is a huge hurdle to overcome of like, just get the team playing together as a team. And maybe it is, but like, I personally don't think that's such a huge hurdle. And like, once they do something like that and also just become a fully counterattacking team for the rest of the season, because when you have, Mitch Purse, Ifyana Manu, and Taylor Smith, and Paige Monahan, like, three out of those four running at you, they're, like, teams are not going to be able to handle, like, Gotham scored, a, that was the first goal they scored against Houston, was, like, a, just a great counterattacking goal. I feel like, once you get the team actually playing together as a unit, and then make them counterattacking, they could go on a run. I don't know if they're going to make it, but I think it's completely possible. So quickly moving on because we've been talking for a while, but also Andre and I haven't talked for a while. Um, 
Andre, I have a serious question for you. When are we getting a Club World Cup? Not soon enough. That is the only answer I will give until it is actually a thing. And I don't even know if it's ever going to be a thing in my lifetime, but I hope it is. I just, it's its not even like all of these international cups that, can't, that come up now, like the WICC. We know about the Amos Cup, which isn't really, uh, that, that one's not as, I mean, I think what Barcelona played, who did they play today? It was Barcelona and Bayern Munich, yeah, and then um and then Manchester United and PSG. Like those are matchups we might be able to see in the um well not Manchester United <laughs> uh in the Champions League. Uh, but you know, you, you do also do have the women's cup um going on as well. So like you do get some really interesting matchups. And I know that like Club America just beat oh Club America, sorry, uh just beat Tottenham. That was fun. Um, we saw AC Milan get a little get a little funky on team from Tokyo. There's so much, so much intrigue, I think, in domestic clubs, women's domestic club soccer, because you have like so many different styles, you have so many different like teams all over the place that and so much so much talent spread out where you could really make that such a landmark, like a key event in a global soccer calendar. I think it would be massive and I know it would sell so much. The money in it would be absurd. And we always talk about people lighting money on fire when it comes to women's sports and most so in particular, but uh, this is just an idea. I know the scheduling would be difficult, but there is a way to do it. There is enough overlap, I think, between some of the leagues and teams. I think it could absolutely, you put it on the calendar and you give it the importance and teams will make sure they're ready for it. So I hope it happens. Yeah, and it's also just like, when are we going to see like a team from Italy, like a club team from Italy play a club team from Japan or a club team from Mexico play a team in England? Like that, it's just such a rare occurrence and it's really that mashup of styles. Like we always talk about the difference between the NWSL and leagues in Europe and all these things and how honestly a lot of Europeans shit on the NWSL, but and think the NWSL doesn't have tactics, even though they literally do. Pressing <laughs> is a tactic. Andre, I know you're about to go on a soliloquy about this, but it's just like these are f- matchups that are so rare and they're so much fun. Like the fact that Angel City played Tigris, like that was a fun game to watch. It was also fun because we saw Angel City players we haven't really seen before that are good at good at footballing activities. Um, but also the fact that Angel City is going to play the Mexican national team which also to me is kind of like what (laughs) but um or even thinking about um Cal Storm in the women's USL league playing the Chinese national team like these occurrences are so rare and they're so much fun and it's like if you build it they will come we know that women's ICC despite some of their Twitter activities is like a very successful tournament and we saw like last year we saw the blueprint of how Lyon beat Barcelona in the Champions League final because somehow Houston Dash scored two on Barcelona <laughs> but like these our matchups are so fun and there's is so much interest around them I mean we talk about I tweeted like what do I have to give to get a women's club world cup it's all I ask for and it's like we deserve it we deserve it yeah so <laughs> if you follow me on Twitter you probably saw that I I ended up uh <laughs> I was trying to talk to like US like American soccer supporters uh mostly because I get frustrated that it it does seem like 
overall in this country. We haven't really re- we we understand the U.S. Women's National Team is a very good soccer team, and it's our best soccer team. We we understand that, but I think we we've got there's a long way to go to get people to understand that the talent level in the NWSL is as good and as absurd as it is. Like, yes, watching the collection of those 23 players play for the U.S. Women's National Team is exciting, but some of these players and a lot of these players are very exciting to watch with their club teams, but also the players that aren't on the U.S. Women's National Team are also extremely ridiculously talented. Um, Top to bottom, the NWSL has a ridiculous amount of talent. The depth in this league is ridiculous. This is why they can bring in uh, so many expansion teams because it's not going to dilute the product. You're not going to end up with like a Birmingham City if you suddenly expand to you know 14 teams, 16 teams. We have a very deep college system. We have a very deep pool of players. Like you mentioned, it even in USL and other play, like there is so much women's soccer talent in this country. And I wanted to highlight that. And unfortunately, some people, particularly a lot of Europeans, got upset. <laughs> and I was like, listen, I would like to see what it looks like for teams like Barcelona, Lyon, PSG, Wolfsburg, Bayern Munich, play against some of the top teams in the NWSL. I would like to see it. I'm not saying the NWSL would completely like destroy those teams. I don't necessarily think that's true, but I also think that there is a difference between people thinking about styles versus tactics. And I tried to make this point on Twitter, and I think some people got it, which was good because it's really hard to explain things on Twitter. (laughs) But some people have like a proclivity to a certain style and the slower pace buildup, you know, of European games and the way that that kind of works is something aesthetically that some people prefer. But the problem I have is when people look at the NWSL and just see it as a transitional athletic league and think that that's where it stops. And that's preposterous to me. (laughs) Like, you cannot just be an athletic team that just runs at people all the time without any organization or shape or pressing identity or triggers or traps or anything like that, um, or ways to funnel the ball one place or another. There aren't, though, like, without those things, You're just running at players and any average player, not professional player, average player is going to be able to handle somebody running at them with when they have the ball. You just shift the ball and they're behind you. Like it's very simple, but it is not that simple in the NWSL because there is a tactic. And I always find it kind of interesting that like the big tactical revolution in Europe right now is the implementation of pressing within Look, the structure. Talk about it. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. So yeah, I'm I think that when you like like it's kind of a twofold thing. Like I just want people to understand the level of talent in the NWSL and go to games because you know hashtag go to games campaign is real and live, even though it's not real. I made it real because I talk about it all the time. It's real. Uh, what you about? It, it, it's real. It's real. Well, it's funny. I put it uh, at the what at the. <laughs> Just a little inside. This is a funny story. Uh, when I wrote something um, for for the Gaming Society, I wrote at the bottom like I included one of those like fake messages. Like this, this, this article was endorsed or approved by the hashtag Go to Games campaign. <laughs> and my editor was like, "Is that a real thing?" <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "Yes, nah. it is." I was like, "Yes, but also no, but also yes, but I just talk about it a lot." Um, so yeah, I had to explain me being stupid on Twitter, which just always feels uncomfortable. Um, 
But yeah, I, I think there's that. But I also think that NWSL teams need to get a lot more credit for the tactical um, things that they do. And I think that you can look at a team, you know, like OL Reign. We talked about them and the way that they play. They are a very, very, they're very good at breaking down a defense, even aggressive defenses like you'll find in, in pressing teams that you'll find in the NWSL. Portland Thorns, I think Wilkinson has been a very fascinating manager. She started out with a three at the back. They're doing a four at the back now. The things she's doing with Yasmin Ryan and Hina Sagita are amazing. They're really, really fun to watch. And then you add the freedom that Sophia Smith has, and that's why she's been tearing up the league and growing in confidence. So, like, I do think that there are a lot of teams that do a lot of very interesting. Kansas City. Kansas City is doing incredible. Ten-game unbeaten run, and they're doing something that is really hard to do in the NWSL, and that is playing without the ball. They kind of funnel players mm-hmm. where they want, and then they attack and win the ball, and they and they hit quickly. They're not quite a counter-pressing team, but they're almost like that. And it's very, very interesting to watch in the NWSL. So, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I tried to make all these things, make all these points, and it was just difficult. And, of course, people wanted to try and, like, you know, the Europeans got all mad at me and everything. And I was just like, listen, listen, listen. <laughs> like, the, first of all, this wasn't for y'all. But second of all, like, don't be talking about the NWSL because I absolutely will defend this league for the talent in the league, not the league, not the front office, but 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 uh, the the talent in the league is absurd, and I just need everybody to know that. Yeah, and just quickly, two things: one, Kansas City actually does have the lowest uh, possession percentage out of mm-hmm. every team in the league. They're actually right around uh, between forty-seven and forty-eight percent. Yeah. Um, which they're the only team in the league at the moment that has like less than fifty percent possession over the course of the season. Um, but also, and a question that all of you can ask when someone from Europe says NWSL doesn't have tactics. <laughs> Why is it that Jurgen Klopp's minds, Borussia Dortmund and Liverpool, their Gengen press is a tactic, but when that happens in the NWSL, it isn't. Yeah. And the, if some, the, tweet that as someone when they're like, the NWSL doesn't have tactics, ask why a Gengen press literally like not made, but very much popularized in terms of his teams by Jurgen Klopp, why that is a tactic for a men's side in Europe, but when you see something similar, obviously not the same, but something similar in the NWSL, it's all the players are big and they can run fast. <laughs> and to be honest, I get it. Like it's got I was being a I was kind of being a smart ass because that's kind of what I do. But I was also like real about it when I replied to somebody like I see why you need to believe this, but you really but you really don't. But I get it. Like when you look at, you know, men's soccer, men's football, it's been dominated by Europe. Should it be? Probably not. There's a little racismo that goes into all of that. But it is. The, the, top le- the top leagues in soccer, men's soccer, in the globally, the ones with the most money, are all in Europe. That's just the way it is right now. So there is something that kind of tells the world, like, this is the best football because of the money involved and the platforms that those leagues have. But it ain't the same in women's soccer. <laughs> it is not. It has not been. Four World Cups for the U.S. Women's National Team. It, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of World Cups, y'all. Um, you look at like the, the level of talent in this league and, and in this country that can go. Katarina Macario was in college about 20 months ago. I don't want to talk about that. Don't say that. I like, <laughs> like, yes, but also don't, don't say that. that was it 18 something, 18 to 20 months gonna, ago? She was in college. She brain. stepped into the best 
club team that y'all had led them in goals and helped them win a Champions League title and the domestic title. Like, stop playing. And she did it with Potato. You know, Lindsay Horan <laughs> went in there and was doing well, too. We saw Sam yeah. Lewis go to Manchester City. She was excellent there. Garrett Taylor didn't use Rose Lavelle right. That's unfortunate. We also saw Kristen Press and Tobin Heath go to Manchester United. They didn't have a midfield. They had a lot of injuries. She had them third. They had them Manchester United third in the league. They had no business being third in the league given their, their deficiencies, but they were third in the league before Tobin Heath got hurt. Like, I know that it's tough sometimes for people to look at the NWSL and think that, like, that is – that is on par with like some of the best football being played around the world. But in the women's game, it absolutely is. And I just really want people to acknowledge that and go to games. And also, I just kind of think about that time that um friend of the pod, Jorian Palgum, just bodied Saki Kumagai. <laughs> You're not getting peace. that in Europe. All I'm saying, <laughs> it's not the same. Yeah. yeah. Center backs aren't getting bodied in the same way. Anyway, let's move it along. I know we have been talking for a while, but honestly... Do you not just like miss us a little bit? Just like just a wee bit. <laughs> um, before we get rolling with heated and hyped, the last thing we want to talk about, and honestly, this can really roll us into heated and hyped because we're both heated about it. Um, well, no, first we were hyped about all of the melanated players that got nominated for the Ballon d'Or. Andre, do you want to shout out the squad? Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, Ballon d'Or shortlist, uh, which isn't really short, 20 names, but shortlist. <laughs> the, the, the most recent list that came out for the award, Selma Basha, that's what we're talking about. Baller. Diani, that's what we're talking about. Still thinking about that, uh, that little turn she did in the middle of the park oh, against. Oh, she was so good at the Euros. Yeah, she was just mm. absolutely unreal at the Euros. Uh, Katarina Macario, Wendy Renard, Asisat Oshuala. Marie Antoinette Katoto and Trinity Rodman. I mean, first of all, all the melanin. Love it. All the melanin. Also, I want to make it very clear that this is the official stance of the podcast. If we were to choose who to win the Ballon d'Or, we'd choose someone black. <laughs> I saw that. With immediacy. I was like, come on, come on now. We're not come choosing Millie Bright. Yes, we're both <laughs> Chelsea fans. And honestly, it'd be hilarious if Millie Bright won. Like, that would. It would be absolutely hilarious, but if we're going to choose someone, we're choosing someone black. We yeah. are both black. That's the purpose of this podcast is to, <laughs> is to center and support black women. We're going to choose someone black, all black, all day. <laughs> very, very true. Very, very true. Even though, you know, it, it is hard to get over Millie Bright's face when she was holding that golden boot, but like, <laughs> that's good enough for me. Like, that's good. That's good. I don't need to replicate that with the Ballon d'Or. Um, you know... The other thing that happened over the course of this is, of course, you know, these li th these lists are kind of put out and these awards are kind of put out always by, you know, some nebulous, you know, uh, committee. Um, this is a collection of journalists in France, plus some other folks, I think. So, you know, they, who knows? And who knows how much they're paying attention? So, of course, there are some noted absentees. You know, some people noticed that Caroline Graham Hansen from Barcelona was not, did not make it uh, and should have. And, you know, I do agree with that one. But be, when that happens, there are always people that always want to look at the list and point at players who they think aren't deserving. And for some reason, some strange reason, some reason I can't really understand, the player that, I know that picked reason. out, a lot of people picked out, not everybody, but a lot of people picked out was Trinity Rodman. And I don't understand that at all, y'all. Like, I know they, <laughs> this was funny, because somebody was, when I, when I dropped this, I dropped the stats, by the way. Uh, the initial list of stats was before the Ballon d'Or uh, list came up. 
And I was just talking about like how absurd she's been and same with Sophia Smith and Mal Pugh. But then somebody came up and, and, and was like, yeah, well, don't you understand that they changed the, the time period to be like July to July to match the European calendar. And I was like, that just gives Trinity Rodman even more, <laughs> like yeah, even more hype. Do you understand better. what she did between July and July? Like that, like when she started really going off, that's when they made their playoff run. That's when they went into the playoffs. That's when she won the championship for the team. Like she made that entry pass that that drew the original penalty that got them level. She made the the assist that had them win the game. She took over that game in a stretch. And, but it ain't only that. Like she had the one of like the, the best to the to date, and we'll see how long it lasts because there are some exceptional rookies. But she had the best rookie season in the in the NWSL by far. Um, and and it was she did a lot of that work in the second half of the season as well as she learned and continued to grow. And then she carried that on Challenge Cup and into the season. I mean, you look at her numbers. Um, I'm gonna go back to American soccer analysis because they have this um, stat that I actually I like it quite a bit. Um, it's called goals added, and I and I tweeted about it so you can check it out, but also definitely read the description and see um, because it's kind of a holistic stat. It, it takes into account everything that just about everything that a player can do on a pitch. So dribbling, fouling, interrupting, which is kind of what they use to be like clearances, um, you know, um, interceptions, things like that. There's passing the ball, there's receiving the ball, there's shooting. So basically, a lot of actions that can be done offensively and defensively and how frequently those things add up to a better scoring chance, a better scoring opportunity for your team. There are only a handful of players who have no negatives or very few uh, negatives in all of those categories. And Sophia Smith, Mal Pugh, and Trinity Rodman are among them. And Trinity Rodman's is absurd. Just about everything she does on the pitch <laughs> defensively as a defensive winger, uh, defensive forward, everything that she does on the pitch helps put the team in better position to score a goal. Doesn't matter if she's in her own half or if she's at the at the top, you know, by uh, in the attacking third, it does not matter. And just the season that she had, it was great to see that recognition because that was special, y'all. Like, I try to tamper, especially when I'm covering a team, I try to tamper some of the hyperbole and there was almost no way to be hyperbolic about her performances and how good she's been. She is one of the most rare talents that we this country has seen. And I understand the weight of that because we've seen some exceptional ones. Crystal Dunn, Kristen Press, like we know that we have produced some very exceptional Shannon Box, some exceptional talents. She is ridiculous. And I just loved that for the Ballon d'Or, it was recognized and I couldn't understand why other people were talking about it. So it if you can't see how good she is and what she means to that spirit team and how she impacts games single-handedly, just about every game, there's a stretch where she just does some stuff, crazy stuff back to back to back. I, I don't know how you can say she's, she's not one of the best soccer players in the world. She absolutely is right now. And that's crazy because she just turned 20. It's, it actually makes me really mad because, so I also, I didn't tweet exactly her stats, but I did tweet about it. Because I was like, literally, I don't like calling people ding dongs, but some people were had some <laughs> ding dong takes of like, what, like literally, what are you talking about? Besides yeah. the fact that Trini Robin put together such a comprehensive, such a ridiculously 
comprehensive rookie of the, rookie of the season campaign. Like I don't think any of us have seen something like it where she was just like unreal. She had eight goals and eight assists between the season and the Challenge Cup. If take out the Challenge Cup, she's still one of the most productive players in the league, and also uh-huh. led like led the league in assists and was like it. Ma- it truly made me so mad. And sometimes I don't want to always like bring out the stats to prove like why a player is good, but also. If you want to look at some of the other stats of some of the other people that were nominated, they were not the same. And no. to the argument that, oh, well, she wasn't doing it on the national team. This <laughs> is how I know that two things. One, like, we need to shift away. Like, this is how I know that the women's game is changing a little bit and focusing more on club play. Because for one of, like, how it isn't, also how it isn't. Because I was like, there were some people on that list. Uh, one of them currently just joined Barcelona that was injured for the majority of her club season and also did diddly squat with Manchester city. Yep. Like truly did nothing. Part of it was cause she was injured. Like <laughs> what it makes no sense to me. Why? And I mean, it unfortunately does make sense to me. Cause like racism, like why more requirements are required, like are for black players? Because also if we want to talk about it, like before Marie Antoinette Katoto and still despite her injury, was one of the best strikers in all of Europe this season and does never gets yep. a shine that she deserves, has the exact same goal numbers, if not more for the most part, than Sam Kerr and Vivian Miedema. But it's also like, okay, so why is it that for Alexia Puteas to win the Ballon d'Or, we know how talented she is, but did Spain necessarily do a lot? Like in for 2021, if we're thinking about the 2021 season? Not like they didn't win anything, but yet she won the Ballon d'Or because you see her quality and you see how good she is playing for club and country, even if her country doesn't win anything. But why for American players, specifically American black players, they have to go above the moon to get the recognition they deserved. Anyone watching the NWSL knows that Trinity Rodman, as literally a 19-year-old, was one of the best players in the league. Yeah. And so, and it really speaks to how more NWSL NWSL players honestly should have been nominated for the Ballon d'Or, but y'all don't want to have that conversation. (laughs) If she wasn't a rookie, she very, very well could have won MVP. (laughs) Like, they needed to give her Rookie of the Year because that was obvious. But if she wasn't, they very, very well could have made given her the MVP. She had an outrageous season. And it's really cool to see this recognition. And I just don't like, people are, I, that's the thing, like, you even had somebody like Lucy Bronze. I appreciated the fact that she did this, but honestly, I want to see more of this clarity from from players that get hyped up and they know they don't deserve it. And she knew she didn't deserve it. She said she shouldn't be on that list. Now she pointed to Kira Walsh as a player who should. And I'm like, yeah, I see what you're doing there. And Kira Walsh has been great. But also, like, you know, yeah, that it's options. not really your spot to give. If you don't think that you deserve it, then you get somebody else who is deserving, who's been paying attention to a lot of this stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, the list is not perfect, but... Of the names to pick with, like to 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 fight about, Trinity ain't the one, y'all. Trinity <laughs> she just ain't, ain't the one. <laughs> she is not the one by far. It made uh it made me so mad. Yeah, it was stupid. It just made me really mad. And it's also like, uh from last July to this July, one of the people nominated to to be fair is currently tied for the golden boot, but Alex Morgan wasn't playing. And I don't want to like yeah. take that away from her, but she was literally recovering from having a baby. Like yeah. make it make sense make just make it make sense that's all i ask for also stop being racist because <laughs> that's that's what it purely boils down to it's just racismo because it's like why are you taking it out on this 
young gifted black player but not uh, the two white players we just mentioned who one of them was like i don't know why i'm nominated and the other one <laughs> literally didn't even play did, when did she come back like she played in the olympics for a little bit and then was injured for the rest of the season make it make sense i'm just saying make it yeah. make sense yeah and also if you want to talk about from july why aren't there any canadians yeah let's have yeah. that conversation i yeah, got I was- time I was curious to say there absolutely could have been other names on that list for some of the people, but but again, like, like if you really want to have the conversation, let's have it. That's the thing. Like, don't just come at me with with some nonsense about Robin not belonging there. She does. Now let's talk about some of the others who didn't, and let's talk about some of the other black players who probably deserve to be on there. Ashley Lawrence, Kadisha Buchanan. Come on now. Come on now. Babes, we got time. <laughs> we have we have time. <laughs> I have I have time. All right, Andre, we had a little bit of a preheat. Preheat. I truly I still have the time. I have the time, but, you know, have a little preheat. Um, moving on to heat and hype, I'll start because my heateds are kind of small. I have like three little pre or two really little preheats. Uh, the first is just everything that's going on in the state of this country. If you have been living under a rock, which I'm so jealous at this point. Uh, COVID is very much still a thing. People are still testing positive, infecting others. There's apparently a new variant going around, or a sub-variant of a new emerging variant that, and it's a, it's a mess. Um, also, if you live in this, in the city of New York, but also in the state of New York near New York City, um, polio is back. Throwback. Something we had eradicated. Well, it's crazy because I remember years ago when people, like when the anti-vax movement was really picking up, people were, were like polio's gonna come back because we were thinking of something that like had literally been so eradicated from the u.s that you didn't have to worry about it and here we are polio is back um for your the new york based listeners literally go check if you're vaccinated against polio it can like one in 200 if in what one out of every 200 cases a person gets paralyzed you don't you don't want to do that you you don't want to have paralytic polio so uh genuinely go like go check if you're vaccinated against polio and then if you're not go get that vaccine um i had a really fun time calling my old pediatrician being like hello do you have my vaccine records because i called my doctor and said do you have my vaccine records and they go just that you're vaccinated against covid and you got a tetanus shot in college and i was like that's not what i need i need my childhood vaccination records um but yeah and then uh, apparently west nile virus is back Throwback. Out here giving people. And on top of that, monkeypox. Just all of, Lord truly Jesus. all of the terrible things. All of the terrible things. And not a single person from the federal government down to the state and local government are doing literally anything uh, to protect anyone. All, like, what is CDC doing? I literally saw on TikTok an uh, infest, infectious disease expert make a joke saying, I am now the head of the CDC. Because really what's going on? Because none of us know. Uh, And speaking about West Nile virus and mosquitoes, also, I'm heated at the number of mosquito bites I currently have on my body. It does not help (laughs) while literally monkeypox is going around and you see a bump emerge and you're like, good God, what is that? Right. And then I got, I have four bug bites all touching each other on my back. That's right. And I said, why? For the... For the love of everything that is good in the world, why does this happen to me? I always get covered in bug bites. I hate it. 
I know Trinity Rodman feels my pain. She was literally <laughs> posting on Instagram story that she got a bug bite on her forehead. And I just want to say, girl, I Better feel your pain. It is. I'm so mad. I'm covered in bug bites. Anytime I go outside when the sun is down. No, actually, at some of these times, it was just like 5 p.m. And I'm covered in bug bites and I'm pissed about it. I'm so mad. I'm literally so itchy at all times. So, yeah, that's what I'm heated about other things. But that's that's what's on top of mind. Andre, what are you heated about? So all that sounds terrible. Um, and yeah, I, I also, every time I go outside, bugs for some reason love me and I hate it. So I hate them all. So I'm with you on that one. Um, for me, mine is, if you haven't read it, we're going to link it in the show notes. There's an OregonLive.com uh, report that came out. Um, I believe the author is Ryan Clark. I wrote about the team in Portland, the organization in Portland, uh, owns the Timbers and the Thorns. Of course, the owner is Merritt Paulson. Um, and it centers around uh, influential character. I don't even remember what his actual title is. Um, he might be like GM. He's, he's high up there within the organization. Uh, Mike Golub is the name of this dude. And it's a lot of report about of a lot of his behavior in the front office um, as an executive. Did you have his title? Yeah, he's basically like the head of business. He's like the GM equivalent. Instead of like doing soccer, soccer things, he does business things. That's like okay. the easiest way to describe it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, they, they just said in the first like paragraph, they just call him executive. Um, so, but yeah, he's, he's high up and does the, the runs the business side um, of the timbers and the thorns. And there's just a lot, like the whole article honestly makes me mad because it's so stupid. Um, it's just toxic nonsense. It's exactly what you'd expect from like a dude who believes he's like, head of a frat running like a business with subordinates and people who he has authority over and using it to like, to the point of like, you know, rubbing shoulders, being inappropriate, uh, you know, all reported in the piece and also um, uh, eating people's food, take such of their drink, just, just stupid stuff. Like, why, what's wrong with you? Like, who does that? Literally who does that? But the, awesome. but the main gross. thing, like, yeah, it's real gross, like real gross. Like you touch my food, Especially with COVID going around, like I'm, I gotta have to. I'm, I'm gonna send you like a, a Venmo request. Like I need that money back ASAP because uh, I'm not eating this. <laughs> I'm not eating it. Um, but I think one of the biggest things that got me was in order to rectify this behavior. This is an official uh, statement, apparently, from the team how they responded and wanted this put into print. Uh, in this is that he is undergoing sensitivity trainings. And some of those sensitivity trainings are apparently self-guided. I do not know at all what the hell a self-guided sensitivity training is. If he had the moral capacity or capability to do this his own self, we wouldn't be in this situation. We wouldn't be in this article would not exist if he had the ability to use his own moral standards and understanding of his impact on other people as an authority figure not even as an authority figure, just as a human with respect for other people's space and personal business. Like, I don't understand. And I doubt very much that Merritt Paulson listens to this podcast. But homie, if you're listening, one thing I really want you to do is because it sounds like these self-guided sensitivity trainings, you are putting a whole lot of stock in the fact that they can rectify this terrible, ridiculous behavior. And if they are that good, if you have like unlocked some sort of secret to be able to have somebody sit down and self-guide themselves into being a more moral and better person 
and understanding how to treat people correctly, please share with the class. I think there are so many people could, that could benefit from these. Like this sounds like a cheat code, but I honestly do not understand what the hell a self-guided sensitivity training even is. It's talking to a black or brown person. <laughs> right? I just, I honestly don't. I even... am a self-guided. <laughs> we are self-guided sensitivity training. It literally just doesn't make any sense. And people act like this stuff is like, they, they play games with this stuff and just throw words out there. And I'm like, yo, you can't just say any sort of words. Like words have meanings. You can't just be like self-guided sensitivity training. Expect everybody to just be like, okay, cool. That sounds great. No, what the hell is that? <laughs> like, honestly, it doesn't make any sense. It, it's like, it, it's not funny, but it almost can't help them make you laugh because what the hell are these people who get paid way too much money to do what they do and to act like they act and, uh, and to have the sort of authority they have over people to make their lives miserable? What the hell kind of accountability is this? I'll tell you what type of accountability that is. Oh, it's very close to a lack thereof. It's like <laughs> a percentage point above that. Yeah, we're going to link that article in the show notes. Um, there was actually something I wanted to rant about, but maybe we'll save it for next week because sometimes I forget what angers me. Um, but yeah, just some of the some of the responses to people telling like the, the journalists of the story, things that have happened in the workplace that made them uncomfortable and the response of, oh, they just couldn't handle the workload. I'm going to dig into that next week because I have time and I'm going to rip a new one to the media industry, the sports industry, and the sports media industry because that's really where you often hear. I mean, to be fair, you hear this sentiment reflected in a lot of parts of society, but we've also been talking for a long time and I already ranted about me and all my bug bites. (laughs) So I'm going to go with what I'm hyped with and then Andre, you're going to take us home. Uh, so I, what? No, let, let, let's, let's flip it because what you're hyped, one of the things you're hyped about, I need to also say something about, and we go, we need to end the podcast on that. Oh, fair, 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 fair. I okay. forgot I added that. I was about to talk about that tick, <laughs> that little tick tack that I like watching. Yeah, yeah, Andre, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let, let me, let me drop my hype. So, so the first, first things first, uh, Grace Gallardo, um, who went crazy on Italy, uh, with France, scored a hat trick, um, which is amazing. Um, apparently Chelsea dropping some money trying to get her this summer. Listen, that top y'all. goalie's trying to win over fans. Listen, y'all. It might work. Listen, y'all. You get Grace Gallardo <laughs> into include with Kadisha Buchanan as well. Like, make my team blacker and better. Yo, listen. Listen. Whoa. Whoa. I will have so many problems. So, like, that, that is a big thing for me. Like, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Like, she's basically, every time she started a game, uh, she was PSG's captain. So she's like a really important player to them, which I get. They have a new manager, and I think it would be really stupid to let her go. But if she wants to go, if she wants life in London, I'm going to do a sky. She like London? How she like London? Like, how's she feeling about London? Like, uh, that's all Does I want to like know. Does she like the tube? Does she like <laughs> Exactly. Chips? She, she like the tube. How she feel about fish and chips? Um, but yeah, I, I yeah. If, if, uh, if that happens, we, we got how she feel about curry. Um, yeah, anyway. I think we would die. Oh yeah, I'd, I'd be a real problem. Like I'd have a jersey ordered already. Like it, it, oh, it'd be on its way. I would with immediacy, but I think this <laughs> podcast would almost cease to exist. <laughs> I don't think we'd just be able to handle it. Yeah, I. 
I also that means we can get to talk about Chelsea every single week because they got more black players. Like, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say if that happens, then y'all like we might lose. <laughs> like the podcast still exists, but I don't know who the hell we'd be talking to. <laughs> just... <laughs> Us, Sills, and Nubia, the right? Time, okay. right? Of our lives. I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm gonna be real loud about black Chelsea. Black, come on now, come on now. Oh, some of my yeah. favorite Chelsea players are black. Like some of my play, favorite players ever. Black Chelsea players, but uh, but uh, okay. Moving on. Uh, my second one though, and I had to drop this in here because it just made me happy, and I can't really like articulate why it made me happy. But there was Angel City game. Uh, there was a picture of as there often is, you know, they go pan to some of the famous faces you see. Uh, first of all, shout out to Janelle Monet showed up to the game. That's awesome. Uh, as Silk very, said, very if cool. one of the coolest people in the world can go and watch an NWSL game live, I don't know what the hell you think you're doing not going to a game. So I feel her on that. Hashtag go to games campaign. Uh, but then they showed Kristen Press, which made me very, very happy, especially because the whole look and vibe she had going on just made me seem like she's entering in her like fun auntie era, which is just a beautiful era. It makes me so happy. Like everybody needs, everybody knows about the fun auntie. Like you, you, you hit up fun auntie for a number of reasons, not just to have fun, but like life advice and everything. And you already know, like Kristen Press has like that vibe. And like one thing that I really do miss aside from like watching her play because she's still an exceptional player. But one thing that I really loved was before games when she and like Simone Charlie would start and they're like, they're like pregame ritual. And you could just see like so much care and love and like how they like interacted before a game was about to kick off and it's just like all of that energy makes me so happy it's like there's a level of just like joy and caring that you don't see it's very rare to see that in this world and I know I'm like reading a lot into it but I do think it's truly that meaningful and I think the glimpses that we have gotten into Kristen Press and how important she has been emotionally mentally to a lot of players that you know, get a lot more publicity than she does, rightly or wrongly, um, in many cases wrongly. Um, I think that you see the role that she plays. And I think everything that she has started with, you know, re-ink and everything, I think it's just so, she, is, she has a vibe about her that is very, very dope. And I like to see that. And the photo just made me like, the the the, the fit and everything that she had just made me seem like, She's embraced it all and like living publicly as she is. And it makes me very, very happy. So I am absolutely here for every single part of Kristen Press and her fun auntie era. I just have like tears in my eyes. Like I just miss her so much. Yeah. I miss watching her play. Yes. Incredible player on and off the field. Just in case they try to tell you otherwise on and off the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, also, like, can we get a photo of Kristen Press and Marta together, please? <laughs> <laughs> you need an auntie and uncle photo. I'm just saying. I'm just saying it needs to happen. Uh, what uncle I'm hyped about. <laughs> uh, what I'm hyped about. One, my fellow who, my girl Diana Ordonez, mm-hmm. breaking the rook, the NWSL rookie scoring record for a season. She now has eight goals. I'm absolutely thrilled for her. Truly. It's just like, it's great for her. It's great for UVA women's soccer. Not gonna talk about North Carolina because I still don't agree with them in that front office, but still great for her. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that honestly made me laugh it's this genre of TikToks that I've been seeing because I, you know, went on vacation, came back, and it's a genre of TikTok, and 
it starts out with like this really sad somber music just normally someone like showing themselves walking through an airport and there's text on screen being like already missing where i've been i can't believe i have to go back to the united states all this stuff and then it like <laughs> and then it like cuts and <laughs> it's literally like patriotic music and someone is saying like usa usa and then on screen it's like oh my god central air conditioning unlimited <laughs> wi-fi and that's and like other things that like like people like the coffee drinkers were like iced coffee um, and I gotta say, I did feel that way of like, I really don't want to come back to the U.S., have to start working again. But then when I got back here, I said, oh my God, Central AC. I said, unlimited data on my phone. <laughs> um, it was like also Mexican food. I, anyone who says that there's Mexican food in Europe, run the other way. <laughs> there will technically be a Mexican restaurant. It will be trash. <laughs> It will be some of the worst food you've ever had in your entire life. Wow. It's terrible. And I refuse to listen to anyone who is not Mexican on this. Of people, I've had friends who are Mexican go abroad and they go, the Mexican food here is, it's not Mexican food. And I'm like, I know. Google what a taco is in, 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 uh, in France. Your brain's going to break. I don't know. It's a panini. It's bad. <laughs> it's <like a> <laughs> it is literally a panini. It is so bad. Uh, oh, there's no. no Mexican food in all of Europe. And people are like, well, of course, like people give bullshit excuses. And I'm like, uh, I don't believe that. J- shut up. Just quite simply shut up. I, d- I miss Mexican food. Um, There's a contrast supreme. <laughs> it's like even a panini. <laughs> it's a crunch wrap. What is this? I just Googled just, this. But it's, like filled, but it's like filled with like French fries and cheese. It's not, it is no. not a taco. <laughs> <laughs> they'll fill it with like they'll fill it with like like ham and sh- it's just not, it's not Enough. the same. Friends I don't even want to talk to about it. For this. <laughs> this it is this so bad. Right. It's right. literally so bad. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Mexican food does not exist um, anywhere in Europe. Because uh, trust me, I've looked before. <laughs> it does not exist, and it disappoints every time. Uh, but you know what? I'm more thrilled about more than anything else in the world. Mm-hmm. When Beyonce Giselle Knowles Carter just blessed us uh-huh. with Renaissance. Blessings. I've listened to this album. I like can't comprehend how many times I've listened to this album. I turn Same. it on every day. <laughs> I guarantee that I'm honestly listening the full way through. Or at least for a like a three to four song. Look, I'm just saying I probably li- listen to Cuff It to Energy to Break My Soul to Church Girl. I probably listen to that at least three times a day. It's in my it's in my head right now. If I'm being my most honest self, that album, oh god, it's so good. So Every fun. day I find something new that I love. I find a new song that I love, and it's like Courtney, how do you do that? You've listened to this album probably three hundred times already, and I just there's almost no words. It is so good. All of it is so good. Be- like yeah. Beyonce has really outdone herself. She's outdone herself many times, but she's like yes. really outdone herself this time. I genuinely could not believe how good this album was. Like, I know she makes dope music, and, and, and when she has, like, a vision and a project, she really commits, and it's really dope. This is a masterpiece. I mean, this is absolute masterpiece. I am the same. I have not stopped listening to this. I refuse. I refuse. Like, I, I, I will eventually. I know Meg just dropped another album. I'm going to listen to it. But at the moment, 
I can't stop listening to Renaissance. I just straight up can't. I, I saw like the best tweet about it. They said like, even when I'm not listening to Renaissance, I'm listening to Renaissance. And that's how that it goes. Like, me. like that's it. Like whenever I'm not listening to it in my head, I'm like, I got a song going. And then I'm like, okay, I need to go play it. So like, it, it's been that cycle for days. I am still not ready to move on. It is. So you mentioned that run. I mean, cozy, alien superstar, cuff it, energy, break my soul, church girl. That's madness. That's madness. It's madness. And then like, for me, like you got to have a run like that at the beginning of the album and keep people going. And then of course you got the, you know, the middle of the album. Also me, like Virgo's groove is my jam. Like I started really loving that. Like, like Courtney said, like you pick up a new song, like just listening to it, you're like, okay, this is my jam now, but there's so many of them. And then for me, like, here's what I'm stuck on. Like right now, the way this, the way it ends thick all up in your mind which all up in your mind that is such a like that 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 song has such a like uh it's like a it's like a enchanting vibe to that song and i never like i have rarely heard or felt a song like that that has that effect but there's like thick all up in your mind america has a problem pure honey and summer renaissance that's how you end an album and i just keep listening to that over and over again because it is so good I'm, I'm, yeah, I just, this thing is a masterpiece. If you haven't listened, the hell you doing? But also if you have listened, the hell you doing? Stop listening to us and go listen to them again. Thanks for listening to Diaspora United Podcast. Please subscribe and rate and review us anywhere you get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Diaspora United Pod. That's Diaspora U-T-D-P-O-D. And message us if there's anything you want us to talk about in our next podcast. See you next time.